from your masters of war Here they build the big guns Here they build the death planes Here they build all the bombs Here they hide behind walls Here they hide behind discs I just don't want you to know I can see through your mask Okay, let's talk about the latest Predator trailer because, you know, the world is burning before our eyes and I can't think of anything more important but to talk about escapism and fun sci-fi stuff. But seriously, um, I'm, you know, I can do both things. And Predator is on my mind and Shane Black's uh, upcoming movie, um, Initially, before any of the trailers, I was extremely excited because I, I love the Predator franchise. Or at least, you know, I, I really um, like it a lot. I think it's really fun. And I think the first movie is kind of perfect. And part two is actually pretty good. I think it's uh, under uh, underpraised or underappreciated. And then there's some, you know, the Predator Alien uh, movies are I only saw the first one, and I thought it was pretty shitty. And Predators was okay. There's some cool stuff, but it wasn't great. And it felt um, it felt like that was a bit of a disappointment for me. But anyways, um, so, you know, I like Shane Black stuff in general. And I was uh, very excited for him to be brought on board. And so the first trailer dropped, and like a lot of folks, um, I was a little, little disappointed. I, I won't say I was... Uh, like, oh, God, this looks like shit. Well, it's not the case at all. But I was like, okay, it didn't seem special enough. I didn't see a lot of Shane Black-isms, a lot of a lot of his voice, you know, a lot of his touches. I didn't see that. And then there's a second trailer, or maybe it's kind of an extended version of the first one that has the second one um, had uh, Masters of War with Bob Dylan playing underneath it. That was a little better, and that revealed the, the giant uh, predator, this genetically engineered predator, possibly, that we've been hearing rumors about, and I wasn't too keen on that. The rest of the, the trailer, uh, the additional stuff looked cool, but that was kind of like, again, like, really? That's like your big angle? Like a bigger predator? That doesn't seem cool. And it brings us to a, the latest trailer, which I um, I guess is actually the third trailer. And this is the best trailer we've seen so far. There's a lot, of, a lot more Shane Black's kind of uh, voice it feels like in, in the dialogue and the of course it's an R-rated trailer, Red Band trailer, and so there's like tons of blood and you see a lot of the the action and the language seems a little, a little more coarse. It seems like the kind of predator film we want. Again, there is this um, emphasis on this giant predator, which I'm hoping I'm hoping that their reveal of it means that it's not going to be that b- big of a deal in the movie itself, but what I really think, my gut tells me that the first trailer kind of bombed and they freaked out. So against, because uh, Shane Black really wanted to keep it close to his chest, against his wishes probably, they um, they said we got to show a little bit more with this movie, make 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 people understand it's different and special. And so they kind of revealed a little bit of the of um, some of the surprises, and leading me to believe this is also the fact that the the poster for the movie is um, you know a predator. Predator's uh, skull and spinal column ripped off and being held by a giant predator's hand. So, you know, the predator is hunting the predators. Yeah, and um, as any other grown man, I have a lot of strong opinions about this. I think what sucks about that, if that's really the emphasis on this movie, is I, I, I really hate 
when um it's sort of like that poochie thing, you know, like when um, the Simpsons had like there's Bart Simpson and then Nick, you know, what can we do now? Or oh, well, um, we'll we'll introduce a character which is the same thing but even more or extreme, you know. It's just kind of lazy, and I think Shane Black's better than that, and I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Also, uh, we kind of did Predator on Predator um, stuff in the Predators movie, where there is like these, um, they call some of them wolves, wolves, predator, wolves, and there's the dogs, which are the, the predators we're used to, so there's sort of a, a race war in between this uh, species, or you know. So I feel like we, we had a Predator on Predator fight, which was cool in that movie, but I feel like we've already kind of done that a little bit. Um, I'm hoping there's a weird angle or something interesting, you know, and like uh, one thing I was thinking about uh, talking about with uh, my wife Taylor and I think it would be kind of fun is like what if like, you know, in some species uh, the females are, are the larger, are the stronger, are the bigger. So what if that large predator was not some gen- genetically engineered predator? What if that's the first time we've seen in the films uh, what the female predators are like? You know, they're 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 bigger and, and meaner and tougher. That'd be kind of cool. It'd be. I still kind of think. What I was. What I'm really hoping is that Shane Black has kind of alluded to the fact that in this movie he has a he has a all the characters all the all the humans are um, they're misfits. They're people who. Um, Aren't who you generally think of as people who can uh, rise to the occasion and uh, and and become you know the winners can become victors, and he's trying to. He also alluded that uh, maybe the predator himself is a bit of a misfit. So I mean, the trailer seems that there's going to be some sort of team up. Like the predator is going to help the humans, or they're going to help him fight this big predator. I think it'd be cool if you find out that the predators that we've seen so far, because you know they're. They're you know, obviously into safari and hunting and all that stuff, but they also have this crazy technology, and and they seem like they um they're really into like a, a sort of a primitive tribal kind of um, way of living. Yet they have technology, and crazy stuff, which you know obviously it's not doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. But it could be, I think it'd be kind of interesting if the predators we've seen, the hunters, are sort of the rednecks of their world. They're sort of the hicks. They're sort of the guys who. You know, instead of living in the crazy futuristic world, they, you know, they probably have office jobs on Planet Predator or whatever. These guys on the weekend or whatever, they go to Earth or they go to wherever and they hunt stuff and they use ancient weapons. Ancient to them is still probably advanced to us. And maybe they're just weekend warriors, you know. So when they go back home, they take off the fishnets and the fucking, uh, uh, you know, Wolverine gauntlets and stuff. And then they just go to their nine to five Predator jobs and they're... <laughs> and they wear their black ties, and they they go to PTA meetings and all that shit. But this is their this is their um, their release, you know. I think they'd be kind of cool, you know, because the predators up until now we kind of view them as sort of like Klingons in a way, where they're just a warlike race, and that's okay, that's interesting. But I, I kind of feel it'd be cooler if there were other strands to it a little a little bit. And I don't really want a pl- a movie taking place on Planet Predator. I just want you know, I don't need to see the ins and outs of all the, their society. It's not what I want in a Predator movie. I just want like maybe a little little hint that there's more. You know, usually hints hints are better than usually the real thing. You know, that's why the first alien movie was cool and you saw the space jockey and you just you don't know. You have no idea what he is, why he was there, why there are eggs in the ship what the fuck happened to him, but you, you just get the world is bigger than just this story, and that's that's usually the way to go. So we'll see. I I, I, I'm, I'm, I actually am very excited for the, the Predator movie. I have, but I, I won't say that my I have, it has my total trust, you know? That's, that's where I'm at.
But what it gets me thinking about, though, is do I want all my, my favorite artists? Do I do I usually like when they do work for higher stuff or when they create their ideas all themselves? Uh, what I'm trying to say is basically do I like um, my filmmakers, my musicians, my my artists, my writers? Do I like it? Do I do I like it best when they are creating all their ideas themselves? It's totally original. Or do I like it when they do um, work on franchises and they and they they tackle uh, characters which aren't theirs? You know, I think in I think in general I like stuff that's original. Like I like especially my favorite artists. Usually, usually, I think their best stuff is stuff that they made up. You know, but at the same time there, there are exceptions. You know, so. Like for instance, there, they, there's been talk late, lately of uh, Tarantino. Uh, his last movie might be a, a Star Trek movie, and I'm. Not, it'd be interesting, sure, but but beyond just like is that right for Star Trek or whatever? Um, beyond that, I'm just kind of like, I, I don't want Tarantino to go out on a, on that, you know. I I I I, I kind of like when he does his own thing, despite that his own thing is, you know is usually a hodgepodge of a bunch of other movies and ideas and he kind of you know he has heavy allusions to other things and sometimes he just rips the stuff off despite all that overall he he's really good at uh, um, collecting all this stuff and kind of reconfiguring it and making it his own and I prefer that with him I think he's best at that and especially for his last film I, I, I don't want him to go out like that and it's funny like when I was a kid I remember um when I was, you know, really getting into movies, uh, he was, of course, like one of the first big directors I really got into, which is part of my attachment to him, sure. But, um, you know, after Pulp Fiction, he followed up Jackie Brown, and I was excited about Jackie Brown. And uh, I remember when I first heard that it was actually an Elmore Leonard novel, and that this is his version. Part of me then, even before I watched the film, was a little disappointed. I was like, oh, you can't do your own stuff. I liked it about you. You write and direct all your own thing. And I saw the movie, and I liked the movie, and actually, um. I remember as a kid, I was a little disappointed because uh, it just didn't have the same uh, energy as uh, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. And the truth is, now I've rewatched it a bunch of times. Um, I think it's one of his best films because it's, uh, it's way more mature. And actually, it was probably the last time he really um, he kept his film, kept one of his movies like pretty grounded in like a, a reality kind of world. Ever since then, he's kind of done these revenge exploitation uh, films on a big budget, that, uh, which I, I like most of these a lot. But uh, they're kind of uh, even more removed from reality than Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction where they're, they're really kind of uh, stylized. Like, they're, they're a weird, they're not exactly the real world. And the, Jackie Brown still felt like the real world, actually. E- even as there's criminal stuff, it's like, it's, it felt real. It's not Kill Bill where there's like these crazy assassins and and who have like you know they're all known in jitsu and they're all it's it's over the top which is great i love kill bill but jackie brown was like tarantino's last um seemed like his last foray into like the normal world and actually if i remember correctly i don't think it's a it's a period piece at all so this that was his last film besides death proof which wasn't a period piece he's made Oh, actually, that's not so true. Kill Bill. I take it back. I was totally wrong. Kill Bill is not a period piece either. Okay. So Kill Bill was the last one he did. 
but it, it, but Jack Brown felt like the last one in the, it took place in our time and it was a real world. You know, he's the guy of seventies stylings, all his film influences, not all, but a lot of his film influences from the seventies. Jack Brown definitely had that with the Foxy Brown influence and all the other stuff. Um, so that was that was one of my first taste of having an artist who I really like, who was a original creator, them doing someone else's story and and me having to figure out like how I felt about that. And so it's funny as you know that was the first time I really thought about it. But before that there's definitely been movies and uh, books I, I love which are people doing uh, characters which aren't them, you know? So a good example of that is Frank Miller and the Dark Knight Returns. Frank Miller didn't make up Batman. Uh, it was Bill Finger, uh, not Bob Kane, really. But um, that's a whole other thing. I'll, I'll give it, I think it's like 85% Bill Finger, and then maybe not even 15 Bob Kane. It's like 5 Bob Kane and 10 just everyone else throughout the years. But anyways, um, but Dark Knight Returns to me, uh, Frank Miller made Batman his own. And that's not to say that people haven't done that since then. They definitely have. It's but Batman's like a one of those literary characters who like Sherlock Holmes, you can just do it a million different ways and, and there's enough there in the meat of it that it, you can you can do a bazillion versions of it. and it's usually it's it could be very interesting in different different ways and told different different styles. But um that was an example of like I still think of Dark Knight Returns as that's a Frank Miller like opus, and obviously he had some help with Lynn Varley and Claus John Jansen, but uh, you know it's it's really his story, and I, I it still feels like it. It feels doesn't feel like um, despite that the fact that it was obviously DC, doesn't feel like they uh, told him what to do too much. It felt it feels really like the story he wanted to tell, which I you know I think I usually respond to uh, uh, positively. Another example is Aliens, you know so. Obviously, the first Alien, really Scott didn't write it. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen, but um, even more so, of Aliens, James Cameron stepping into a world which wasn't his at all, and he put his own stamp on it, which I think uh, I guess is important when I think about artists who um, artists who kind of uh, take on characters which aren't their own. So like he made Ripley, uh, every made Ripley uh, even even better made, made Ripley what Ripley I, I guess really is in my mind like I always think that Alien is a better uh, Xenomorph movie and Aliens is a way better Ripley movie and so don't get me wrong Ripley the character in the first Alien she, she's there like she, she, she I like what they're doing with her but in in the sequel that's when she, she comes she really comes into her own because she has to get through that first movie to kind of become the survivor and, and get all that post-traumatic stress kind of stuff that's part of her character. But in the sequel, she overcomes it to a point. She confronts, you know, her fears, and you, you just see her. In part one, she's a survivor, but part two, she's a hero. And I, that that's just a, an awesome transformation. And Sigourney Weaver uh, knocked out of the park. And I think that, you know, Aliens is a, is a good example of I'm really glad, really, Scott didn't make the sequel. And this is before Prometheus and Alien coming in. And, you know, if you think really Scott really uh, destroyed it, I'm not going to say that bad, but I'm not, like, I'd much rather somebody else do the next one, you know? 
I'm keen to see where he'd go. I'm not going to lie. I'll see it no matter what, basically. But I, I really don't want him to be the, the final voice in this thing, which is it's it's a weird thing for to say. You know, it's kind of like the, the George Lucas thing, like when they took Star Wars away from him. That was one of the first times as uh, an audience member I was kind of like, Oh, phew! Like you know, like thank God, like the the the, the creator's off the you know it's out of his hands, which I almost always like, I hate that. But this I had to admit, I was like, uh, I think this would be better if somebody else in the in the the driver's wheel or driver's seat rather. So aliens was a good example of that too. And but the thing is like like so with, with directors, most directors don't write every project they do or you know like Stanley Kubrick for instance like the biggest auteur everyone knows you know he has a hand in some of these screenplays but the most almost all of them are adaptations I believe you know and so that you know don't be wrong making an adaptation to, from film to anything else there's always a big difference and, and you always feel the director's presence in his voice or her voice on the work but I, I do really like it when it's you know it's written and directed by somebody, even if they're co- like Wes Anderson, he co-writes everything, or or, or um, uh, friggin' oh my god, oh yeah, P.T. Anderson, P.T. Anderson, um, and even some of his best stuff, stuff like uh, there will be blood. You know, it's based on a book called Oil, which I've never read. I heard there are some significant changes in the movie, um, but it's great, and it still feels very much like his his kind of thing. I remember when I first heard that before I saw the film, I was a little worried because I was like, oh, great. Are you going to go like the Tarantino, Jackie Brown route? Are you just, or actually, I wasn't worried about that. I was really more worried about he could come like every other director where you want to direct, but you don't have time to think up the next story. So you just kind of sign on to, you know, to make some script, your, your story, which won't be the same. Pleasantly surprised. There will be blood is... I think Boogie Nights will always be my favorite movie of his. The Theory of Blood might be a better movie, a more a more original, uh, darker story. I don't know. Like Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights rocks. Boogie Nights is a good time. There's, and it's also harrowing and dark, but it still has that vibe where um, there's a lot of Scorsese in it, you know. And Theory of Blood. Maybe I'm just not as versed in film. Maybe I'm not picking up on his influences. It just feels more like just him, you know? And that soundtrack, uh, Johnny Greenwood, dude from Radiohead, like, it sets it apart. And that was the first, I think it's the first soundtrack he did, at least the first one I remember hearing. And that that was, I think P.T. Anderson, like, took himself to another level. And he hasn't matched it since, for my money. But um, so that was again. That's a compromise. That's him taking a work and maybe changing it, like almost Kubrick level, where it's like uh, it's barely the same thing. But he's an artist who took something and made it his own, and I liked it. But that seems to be the exception. Like I, I basically, a lot of times what happens, especially with films, like a director will come out, you know, co-writing or writing and directing their first movie, maybe the first two. And then they get, especially nowadays, they get thrown onto a franchise, you know? You get thrown into a Marvel movie. You get thrown into a Star Wars movie. You get thrown into something, right? And sometimes I am I am excited. But I don't want, uh, even when I'm excited, I don't ever want those artists to, to just do that. Just to be, just be like a hired gun. Even when it's like, you know, like Taika Waititi in uh, Thor Ragnarok, which was great, you know? That was awesome. It still felt like a Taika 
Taika movie, as much as it still felt like a Marvel movie. It was a really weird marriage, which kind of worked. But I don't want Taika to just do that. You know, I want him to do another... I want him to do something, whatever he wants to do, I want him to do. I was going to say I want him to do another uh, What We Do in the Shadows and, or Another Boy. But, you know, I actually just want to see him evolve and do whatever he wants to do. As long as he doesn't make another Eagle versus Shark. Because Eagle versus Shark, not terrible. It's okay. But he definitely felt like you watch that and then you watch, like, Boy and There Will Be Blood. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> What We Do in the Shadows. And their, 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 their quality is, goes way up, you know. Like... Uh, he, that was very much like his um, bottle rocket. Although bottle rocket was right, it was definitely better. It, it's very uh, embryonic. You, you see, like what he was going to become, but it wasn't quite there yet. So Eagle versus Shark, just okay. Everything else, really good quality. And so, but I don't want Taiko to just keep doing Thor. Just talk about him doing Star Wars. I, you know, I get you got to play the game, but I, I, you know, a lot of actors do like one for me, one for them. I really don't want that that, that with him. Uh, and I, I feel like that with a lot of my, my favorite uh, directors. And then also comic book artists, too. Like, novelists, you know, usually that's not really the thing. Novelists usually they make up all their own stuff. Every once in a while, there's, you know, I guess a few writers who really get into, like, retelling um, public domain characters or, or fairy tales. And I'm not really into that too much unless it's really creative. Or I, have to be, I guess I, I, I do like it. I, just not, I don't usually seek that out, you know? So that's not really. I don't. I don't have a lot of writers, strictly writers, who just do. Um, who I'm worried about them leaving away their original uh, novels and creations to do like work for higher stuff. So um, that's not really too much of a concern. But uh, comic books, big time, you know. And so a lot of a lot of people. Um, it used to be you work for Marvel to see. I just burp. Excuse me. <laughs> smells really good. I wish you, I wish you guys could have a whiff of it. You were you were from Marvel or DC, and you get your name somewhat right, and then you go to uh, you go to, go to Image, you go to Dark Horse, you go to something, you do indie book, see how it goes, you test the waters, and if you're you got enough fans who follow you, then you kind of keep doing that forever, right? And some of them go back, and then you, and you go back to the big two, and now it's kind of different. Now it's weird. Now it's almost like some people. I think it's I think there's I think there's no definitive route. But some people will start indie and then go big two and go back to indie and then go big two or they they start indie and then go big two and stay big two. And it depends. Like some some artists, you know, it's funny. A lot of my favorite artists who do like cool indie stuff, yeah, I'd love to see a pinup of them doing like Batman or whatever, you know, or Swamp Thing or something, you know, whatever. It'd be cool to see them in style. But most of my... You know, I like I like their ideas. I like to see their thing, so I don't. I'm not super down with them. You know, doing another. You know, other people's characters, but that's not. Oh, I mean, there are exceptions, especially. I, it's, it's again, it's sort of that Taika Waititi thing where I'm like, I'm cool with you doing this. You know, once in a while. You know, doing a one shot, doing a three issue miniseries, but if if I feel like you're not gonna go back to doing your um your you know creative own stuff. Then I'm then I then I'm kind of disappointed, you know. So like Michelle Fife, um, the Cooper guy. Cooper is probably my favorite ongoing comic book that I, I'm reading right now. And he's doing a uh, Bloodstrike, you know, the old Rob Liefeld stuff for Image. And of course, I'm I'm gaga over. It. I read the first issue 
it rules. Today I'm actually gonna go uh, Kamikaze in Davis Square, my favorite comic book shop, and they're the best comic book shop in the world. And I think they they won the award last year. I think. Anyways, to prove it. But anyways, they got my copy. I'm gonna go there today, pick up the second issue of that, and I'm really jazzed. And it's a great. Uh, it's a so far it's a really cool uh, new take on Bloodstrike and early image stuff. But if like Michelle Fife was like, oh, um, I'm I'm just gonna do Bloodstrike from now on, no more Cobra. Uh, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that at all. And I, I, I don't know if I wouldn't like read Bloodstrike. I doubt I would be that bad because I would I want to see that creator stuff, and especially if it's the quality this first issue was. I'd still be on board. But I'd be kind of like the whole time like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you had your thing, you know, and not just Copra. Like, I, I just want to see like what he would think of next. I, I, you know, that's what that's what I'm thinking. Like, I, I. I, I think it's cool once in a while to do something, but I, I, I rather like, I don't know. It's like, I'm not sure if I'm worried for these people. Like you have a finite amount of awesome ideas. And if you waste some of them on like a, a Marvel or DC book or whatever, you know, then it, it'll affect the other work. I don't know if it's like that, but I remember like Eddie Van Halen, uh, had this thing about the song. They, they, they covered, uh, uh, dancing in no, no, is it dancing in the street, dancing in the street. <laughs> yeah, dancing in the streets, right? With the song that you know, it's an old song. I forget who did it originally, and I know Mick Jagger and David Bowie did it in a really uh, stoic, serious music video that everyone should watch. It just, just demonstrates how um, how how powerful and earnest those artists are. But um, the Van Halen version is 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 awesome, you know, you know, and. The intro, especially, is really cool. It's it's completely different than the song, the rest of the song. Like it's 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 an Eddie Van Halen uh, original composition that they basically kind of he he played that. I think it's, I think it's synthesizer. I don't think it's guitar. Yeah, it's definitely synth. It's like really crazy. But they um, basically uh, kind of weave that into uh, the chord progression for the rest of the, you know uh, of the Dancing in the Streets. Or at least they basically made that composition and, and David Lee Roth like, you know, I could kind of sing that melody of Dancing in the Streets on top of that and it became that. And, and Eddie Van Halen to this day fucking hates that. He hates that in his mind he had original thing and instead of making an original song completely, they basically made it a cover. So to his, in his mind it diminished it. And I I understand that to a point, you know, like it, I think it rocks. It's a, it's a good song, but I'm like, I, who knows? It, it could have been one of the best Van Halen songs, you know, ever, you know, and don't be wrong. The Van Halen does great covers and you know, their, their cover, their Kinks covers, you know, like, uh, you really got me now. That's, that's a great cover. It's so much so that I, you know, I, obviously it's the Kinks when I think of that song, but I, I think of Van Halen just as much, you know, but in my mind, as as someone who who uh, listens to music and just an audience member, I do think of it slightly less than other Van Halen songs because it's you know it's not wholly them. So you know you really got me now. It's great, but like you know, ain't talking about love is better, and I think it's actually just better in general. But also, it's better because that's Van Halen. That's all Van Halen. That's no one else. They had no outsiders involved it's just that band so i sometimes worry that my favorite artists and and writers they're gonna get uh they're gonna get van halen they're gonna have like you know this pretty cool story that um you could make it wholly original but they're like uh you know you could insert batman in this instead of my guy or you could make this uh an archie riverdale story 
you know, it's, it, I, I want it to be the high school or, you know, sometimes, but it'd be better if it was just its own thing. Or maybe, maybe that's all in my head, you know, I don't know. And it's funny, sometimes these things are clearly like influenced by, by things we all know, you know, like you have Superman analog story. And some of my favorite Superman stories are Superman analogs. I feel there's a little more freedom to kind of play around the mythos. But are those stories better for being analogs and not the real thing? Or would they actually be better as straight up Superman stories? It depends on the story, I guess. It depends on your preference and your taste. I don't know. And I've been thinking about this lately a lot with um, the Predator thing, but also as, as a kid and, and, a, and a creative kid and, and, and now as a creative old fart, um, I usually don't think about other uh, characters uh, that aren't mine, you know? Well, I think about them, but I, I just don't think about making original stories for them, you know? And I, I wrote a little fanfic, I guess, before I knew what fanfic was, mostly in my head as a kid, and I, and I always draw other characters sometimes, but I usually prefer doing my own stuff, and it could be heavily influenced by other stuff, but I usually prefer doing my own stuff, right? But lately... I, I just had this story pop in my head because uh, I was thinking about the Alien franchise a lot, right? And I was like, f- for the first time in a long time, I was like, I, I thought of an Alien story. I thought of a story that wasn't my own characters, you know? And I was like, oh, this could be really cool for an Alien story, you know? Whether it be a comic book or a novel or, like, you know, a screenplay for the next movie, which they'll never option. But I was like, oh, man, that's what I would do. And it was cool. And then part of me's like, okay. So part of me's like, on the artistic side, I was like, okay, I, I, I actually, could I make this my own thing without the alien xenomorph mythos and change it enough so it would be original and mine, but still have the flavor of the story that I, I that I was concocting? Or is the alien thing so integral to this that without it, it loses so much that it's not even worth doing, right? And it's you know the alien's a really unique creature, at least when it's done well. So. I can't just insert any monster in those stories, per se. But I have thought of a really creative workaround that kind of works. So I actually have two options. I could do my own thing with this idea, which the original germination of um, was an alien story, or I could do an alien thing. So that's that's the first thing, the artistic argument. Second argument is um, uh, the, the kind of business argument. So obviously, if it's alien, I don't have the rights to that, right? So I could either A, just publish it online for free as a fanfic, as a online comic book fanfic, something like that, right? Uh, I could B, I could submit it to Dark Horse Comics because they have the rights to the Alien franchise and as a pitch and go, hey, I like to do this. Of course, I'm nobody when it comes to comics. I'm barely, I'm barely anybody when it comes to novels, so they might just go, nope. Um, but that's an option too. And so the business angle is more like, not about money per se, but if I did publish this, let's say online, right, for free, I make no money off this, but there's, of course, exposure where people looking for a cool alien fanfic might find this and go, oh, who's this Tony McMillan dude? Oh, he's also a writer. He's written some novels. He made some comics. And may, they might come to my other stuff. And this might be, I could, you know, uh, piggyback on the alien franchise. And not to, not to do it in a cold, calculating way, because I, I generally love um, the alien uh, 
franchise in, in general and in, in Alien Part 1 and Aliens a lot. So I think it's a genuine appreciation and love. So you could see that and go, okay, this guy likes this. I like this. I like his story. Uh, what else has he done? And then I could find you know some more fans that way. That could be awesome. But at the same time, so basically I have these two arguments, right? I have the artistic argument is would the story be better as an alien story or as my own story completely? And then I have the argument of could this help me career-wise better as an alien story or or better as my own story? And so I have no idea what to do. So if you can tell me what to do, tell me. <laughs> That's basically it. All right, so um, we're going we're gonna to see Predator, uh, Hell or High Water. I'm going to work on this alien slash not alien pitch. I got a bunch of other stuff I'm working on. I'll talk to you later, okay? Keep doing, keep doing. And I hope that you die. And your death will come soon. I follow your casket.